This program is financially supported by the fundings from the European Commission. You are listening to the EPU Access Cast, the first official podcast from European Blind Union about assistive technology for blind and partially sighted people. And here are the hosts. Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of the EBU Access Cast. My name is Tanya Kleut and I'm here talking from Luxembourg. Uh, we have uh, with us Mario Percinic, also from Luxembourg. Hi. Hello. And we have Pavel Masarczyk from Poland. Hello. Hi. Uh, Bart is not here with us, but hopefully will be next time. Uh, yeah, he's busy up? with his daughter. Yes. So he has, he has an excuse, <laughs> for yeah. sure. What's up, guys? Do you have uh, some new devices or...? Uh, there is something small that I have. It's not really a device, but it's nevertheless handy, especially for blind people, I would say. It's a harness for mobile phone or any device that records camera um, things, so picture or sound or picture and sound. The idea is that you put this harness over your head so it rests on your back. It's like the things that you attach to your trousers when you're a child and uh, at the top of it so like at the level of your chest of uh, you have the, a casing in which you can close anything that you use for recording so you can close your phone you can close your camera your gopro or your sound recorder even uh, it is quite tight i even rode on a bike with it so it's quite secure i we had a couple of road bumps and it survived uh, so the idea is that uh, the camera of your phone or the mics of your recorder are facing outside. You don't have to hold it and you can safely and easily record anything that's around you or broadcast it via any messenger. So it is quite handy if you want to do anything with Be My Eyes or um, ask anybody for help with uh, a video call because mm -hmm. you don't have to hold the phone. You just use your body as a sort of camera stand. And yeah. if somebody tells you move a bit to the right, you move your body to the right, you uh, tilt a bit or thrust forward with your chest. And this is even handy for OCR. If you do something like seeing AI recognition or Envision AI, I tried it. You can position your body so that the camera points directly at the text. Mm -hmm. And what you can also do is uh, you can open the casing a little bit so the phone still stays inside, but it opens in front of you as a sort of a table so you can put your hands on it and, for example, type in Braille without really holding your phone. So I think it's really convenient when you're either on the road or especially at home because then you are the safest. But on the road, the phone is tight enough in this casing that it would need a bit of power from somebody to take it away from you or do any harm. So it's not that easy to just come by and steal it or anything like that. Okay. So yeah. I think... Yeah, it's quite a convenient gadget. It's not very expensive. I can't recommend any particular company because there are many smaller companies selling this. You just have to look on Amazon or eBay or at your local mm, phone accessories or camera accessories uh, shop. Mm -hmm. Mine is, I think, McLean and cost me around 12 euros. So it, they are not really expensive and uh, most uh, clerks would know what you're looking for. So this is a quite handy gadget that I got myself as a birthday present. Okay. okay, sounds interesting. Yeah. Yes, and indeed, as you say, very handy for us if we want to use it with Be My Eyes or even for navigation, because then you don't you can hold your cane and you can hold your shopping bag and you can just listen by to the navigation instructions and use some mm -hmm. Siri Google Assistant to control the device a little mm -hmm. uh, or voice control if if 
if you will, if on you iOS 13. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's also handy for things like that. So it's 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 a nice one. Okay, that's great. cool. Yeah. Okay. On my then... side, nothing new for this month. Okay, on my side too for the moment still. But Christmas is not so far, so we'll see. <laughs> oh yeah. I wanted to comment with you the latest update of iOS. 13, uh, because besides many accessibility improvements, there are still a lot of bugs uh, in the version that I have, which is at the moment the 13.1.2. And um, unfortunately, still I'm experiencing that voiceover is crashing or slowing down in uh, some situations, like um, reading emails or when I'm typing Braille. It is not consistent with a voiceover. It is not reading well uh, what I'm typing or or deleting. There are still many issues and I'm really disappointed that at the version that I have, there are still not resolved. What uh, yes. Experiences? What I find really interesting though, is that uh, I think um, it wasn't so long ago when the public beta program started. And I thought it was done so that more users could participate and more users could hunt for the serious bugs. And uh, ironically, it looks like, like since the public beta started, the more critical bugs still remain in the final releases. Maybe it's not really related, but funny coincidence, nevertheless. Mm. Um, here on the iPod Touch that I have, um, the, the, the one that I found uh, was uh, a translation error in the Polish version where uh, letters, when you switch back on the keyboard from digits or symbols to letters, it's translated as letters, but the letters that you send via post because somebody didn't see uh, what the, the string they were translating relates to. So they just mm -hmm. put this kind of letters from the context. Oh, oh now, man. <laughs> <laughs> this, this happens a lot. Uh, we had this in the past that, uh, um, for example, the clear button on the notifications was labeled as no clouds because somebody thought that clear means like clear skies for the weather. So huh. a lot of, I don't know who's translating it right now, but it seems like they're not seeing what context they're translating in and things like that come into final releases. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that this is happening because probably they're using lots of machine translators and uh, that's why these kind of things are happening. Because mm -hmm. I, I cannot think that if you would have a human translator doing this Especially if the person is... If you know the context. Yeah, and if, if the, if the person the context, is efficient in the language. It would be impossible, yes. But if you don't know the context, I guess maybe it could happen. But I think you're right. I think most of the translation are done uh, via automatic translation. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I guess this is why it's happening. <laughs> yeah, probably. And um, this, this, this kind of errors keep appearing from time to time. The one that a lot of my friends complain about is the famous one where when you end a FaceTime call or a phone call, suddenly you're out of sound of your voiceover. Um, apparently there is some kind of uh, problem where iOS can't decide which channel to stream uh, the speech through. Is it the call or is it already uh, like a regular speech channel? And mm -hmm. as a result, you can't hear any sound and you have mm -hmm. to restart your iPhone forcibly to get it back. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I had to force uh, restart the iPhone after so long uh, because it crashed completely voiceover and uh, I couldn't turn it off even though I sort of turn it off with Siri but it was still speaking and it was incredibly slow down so it was first time after so long that I had to force the restart so I hope that we will soon see some improvements in this sense 
but what I personally like is, for example, the haptic touch, which I found I find uh, really handy in noisy environments. Maybe you like it or not, but uh, in noisy in noisy environments, I think it can be. Really I don't think good. the iPod really has a, the the hardware to support that, so I, I can't I comment on this. But I can imagine this is pretty handy. True. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because. You know, you don't have any any information besides the sound. When you are in in a noisy environment, it's uh, it's handy to have it. Yeah, it's a lifesaver, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have to say that uh, on the Android side, we have the haptics for a long time, and personally, this is the feature which I really really like. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some people who are turning it off for whatever reasons but personally i found i find it really really useful because uh, there are situations where sometimes you would work in some application or something and then let's say some tiny part of the screen would not be spoken by your screen reader of choice but still the haptics would give you the sign that something is going on on the screen uh, or the other thing is that for example, how I how I like to use the haptics is the fact that when I'm typing, I'm using the Braille keyboard for typing, but I made the keyboard echo on the phone to announce just the words when I'm finished with typing. But mm -hmm. during the typing, if I typed each letter, my phone would signal that the letter has been typed by a very small, like, haptic sound, That so I, I know that the letter was correctly inputted or the letter was... Uh, typed so uh -huh. that helps as well and uh, yeah I I really like that the haptics yeah another one that I liked in iOS 13 I'm really sad they took it back somehow I don't know why they removed it um, was the context menu on the router uh, because the iPod doesn't support 3D touch and this way I was cut out of the shortcuts on the app icons where you could quickly access some features mm -hmm. uh, for, yeah, so they had it in iOS 13.0, but then in 1, I think they somehow got rid of it, and now it's not coming back. I don't know if it's for good or whether it's going to be back again at some point, but uh, it was a handy one because I could access it. Yeah, I have to say I updated my iPad also to the new iPad OS, and so far I found that it's not crashing that often as the iOS thing. But I found that, for example, some options, for example, some voiceover options, such as the rotor stuff and the options to change the TTS voices is not so intuitive as it, is, as it used to be before. Like, for instance, I wanted to change the, the voice and like it was like, yeah, is it here? No. Uh, and then, you know, it, it was like I installed Alex to try it out, how it works on, on the iPad. So when you go in the settings and you choose the, the voices, uh, it says like 800 megs something because the size of the Alex is like 800 megs. And it was like, uh, what? Do I have to click on that or not? And yeah, eventually if you click on that, then it starts talking with the Alex voice, but it doesn't say, oh, Alex and click on that because you can click on both of the options. Like there is Alex and there is like 800 megs. And yeah, it should say that it is a button, but it doesn't say... Yeah. So it is not intuitive. That's kind. That's kind of uh, a bit confusing. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's hope that it will be fixed. I was personally hoping that those bugs will be resolved in the thirteen point one because the th the original thirteen came like ten ten days before. 
but eventually, yeah, as we can see, the bugs are still here. And I remember uh, hearing from people also that people are having uh, on the iPhones that people are having uh, volume issues with their ringtones. So, for instance, like the right now, the volume of the voiceover is the same as the volume of ringtone so if you're if you're like turning the voiceover up to hear something your ringtone volume will turn up as well and that's kind of really like annoying because your phone can start blasting around really really loud and sometimes you don't want to do that I think another oh, yeah. one is also, um, I don't know if this is in all voices or just the Polish ones, but uh, if you put your synthesizer too, either too loud or too fast, I think volume was the issue, uh, some letters get cut off for some reason and mm. you can't understand the synth properly anymore. Um, there oh was some yeah, that's, that. that's something I also noticed on the iPad, by the way, yes. Uh, you have to keep it at a certain volume to make it behave normally. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that with the with some of the voices as well, and I assume that this is something to do with how they changed the distribution of the audio through the different channels. So yeah, it it should be fixed as well. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. The second news that I would like to discuss with you today is uh, the Microsoft announcement that Windows operating system will not be anymore in their main focus. Uh, which was quite shocking for me, um, as I'm using Windows from um, 96, 7, uh, when I was a child. Um, and they say that application services and hardware will be um, their main focus now. What do you think, guys? Well, I would say that, yeah, this is true, that uh, Satya Nandela said that they are not going to put the main focus on Windows anymore because slowly they want to shift towards the cloud and they would like to, well, basically see the expansion of Windows to the other platforms. But yeah, I mean, Microsoft is a company that used to say lots of things, but at the end, I don't think that this will happen very, very soon. And... In fact, they are aware of that because if we look at the usage of the Windows around the world, especially in the corporate environment, uh, when you're using Windows or whatever operating system is being used in the corporations, the changes are not going to come fast. Not at all. So I but don't think, think we can just wonder what's the future. Well, now. I mean, we can wonder what's the future, but the thing is that the windows are still going to be around. Uh, they are not going to disappear. What I think is that we will see, and that's that's basically what's happening, is that some services are going to become more and more cloud-based. And this is the fact that we can see, for example, with the Office 365, mm -hmm. which... Uh, we can now use in the desktop environment or we can use the office online but and and we can see that microsoft is slowly trying to reconfigure their role in the mobile market because they realized oh yeah we screwed it up badly a few years ago when we didn't take the android system for our devices because they were pushing up the Windows Mobile and that turned out really badly for them. Mm -hmm. Even when they bought the Nokia brand, uh, nothing eventually changed in terms mm -hmm. of the usability and the amount of users who were using it because eventually there were lots of people using the iOS already and, and Android. So nothing changed in that. So what, what Microsoft announced now and what we can see in the newer Windows 10 releases is that they are slowly 
integrating support for Android devices into the Windows and eventually they also what they what they announced a few days ago was that they will release next year uh, two hardware devices one which and one of them is basically the Microsoft version of the Android device which is called Surface Duo and basically Surface Duo will be like a smartphone which is foldable with a Two screens which will use the Android. We don't know any information yet whether it will use the stock Android or whether is it going to be modified. There is also no price points uh, at this point, so we don't know how much the device will cost. But yeah, I mean, they they are trying to establish themselves again in in the mobile market, and that's okay. The another device which they announced is a uh, kind of their tablet Surface tablet new one which is called the uh, surface uh, neo and that surface neo will use something called windows 10x so basically the windows 10x is like kind of stripped down modified whatever version of the windows 10 which will just work on those devices so it will not does win that windows 10x will not be compatible with it with any pcs and the other computers so you know uh, i wouldn't worry that much about this kind of shocking uh, news, yeah, it's it's kind of shocking at first. Like, yeah, Microsoft will abandon Windows, but no, this will not happen at a certain time for sure. I mean, we never know exactly what will happen, but I'm sure that in the next five for the next five years, uh, the Windows 10 will stay as the operating system we know more or less. Yeah, they're they're, they're changing it from time to time, and you know, adding and removing some features. But no, I don't think that Windows will go away any any anytime soon. Besides, as I said, you know the the fact that the corporations are using Windows uh, that depends a lot on on Microsoft. And Microsoft is getting a huge amount of of users who are uh, corporate users. So you know, if they decide to stop with the development or remove Windows from their core, well, that's going to be really, really difficult. And eventually, I mean, speaking of the user's perspective, let's take into account the the situation where Windows wouldn't exist once. Uh, Well, and if you are using the assistive technologies, um, well, yeah, I mean, you can use the Mac with the voiceover but there the, the accessibility of the overall applications is not the same as it is in windows especially if you are working in schools uh if you need to do lots of office work product where you need to be really precise and productive the voiceover in in the in the office apps on the mac is not efficient as the windows screen reader and that's a fact that's not that's not just my opinion that's opinion of all the people who are using the assistive technology and who knows something about the the assistive tech uh, industry as well so yeah i mean we will have to see what's 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 going on and monitor but yeah windows are not going away (laughs) what they also announced some time ago is that uh, or maybe it was a projection by many analysts that windows 10 will be the last version of windows as we know it so there will be no windows 11 or Windows something next, but mm-hmm. just Windows 10 getting its uh, usual yearly updates. And I think that's the effect will be that there will be still a team of uh, programmers working on Windows 10, 
and pushing the new updates, but they will not do a lot of probably promotion. Or as I said, um, there will be no new Windows as we know it. Maybe no no next yeah, Windows. Yeah, that's, that's possible. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, this yeah. this uh, announcement was like uh, yeah for for like long time. Even yes, since as Windows soon 10 as they out. published the, the Windows 10, yeah. Windows 10, yeah, yeah, launched mm -hmm. Windows 10. Yeah, and they still develop it, and for the time being, they introduce new features. I'm really looking forward to that one where you can uh, receive and make your phone calls on the Windows laptop or computer. This is a really nice one. They are introducing it. It's already in the slow ring, I heard. And uh, uh, yeah, people who use the your phone application, the phone assistant of Microsoft can try it out apparently already. So Yeah, I mean... I personally, I have to say that when we are speaking about the Windows versions, and the versions that we used to use, like my first one was, uh, oh man, Windows 3.1. So uh, I can say that I'm really happy with Windows 10 um, and yeah. the way how it works. And basically, if you remember, and I think you do remember the situations where, you know, if you, you when we were, you were using even the XP and the like 98 oh, and yes. stuff. Yeah, you would see you would see a lot of like, yeah, the program is not responding, la la la, the kernel has crashed and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, no, Windows 10 yeah. is stable. In that fact, uh, there are situations where always the app crashes, but mm, yeah, in overall the over the operating system is stable. Yeah. So it's... I haven't had a blue screen in a while. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next topic is seeing AI updates. So there are some news uh, like. Um, 21 languages in short uh, text, which is uh, very convenient for us in Europe. But uh, availability of languages will depend also on uh, voiceover languages. Did you try um, to scan something, Pavel? With yes, your iPad? Uh, in fact, um, I found it actually working better with Polish ever since I switched over. And the problem with automatic recognition, and this I think is related to any app, not just seeing AI, is that it tries to identify the language and it tries to assign the proper uh, character encoding, but it's not always working. So what I would often have with automatic recognition is that uh, the Polish national characters would be either skipped or misread as something else, as digits or as punctuation. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy to see it now working as it should. And what I even tried is I took a box of something. It was a product, I think some kind of coffee. And I was sitting on my bed with uh, a window that is not really straight, it's sort of uh, perpendicular, so the light is not really um, proper, mm -hmm. I would say, it falls under some kind of uh, angle. And I didn't even try hard, I just waved the iPod a bit above the box, uh, the ground wasn't even on that, in that uh, there were things on the bed and so on, and it read the label properly, and I was really happy to see that. Uh, I didn't even try really hard, as I said. So it just read the instructions, how I should prepare it, the name, the what it consists of, and so on. I was really impressed. And I even tried with some, some uh, content where there were multiple languages. And it even recognized that there are Russian letters on it. So I switched over to Russian, and it read the Russian text just fine. Mm -hmm. And then I also tried, I don't know if, if it also improved things, but scanning uh, two pages of a book. And I was really impressed with that as well, because... I managed, after a couple of attempts, to actually have two pages of a book, the left and the right side, properly scanned in. And uh, I had everything in there, the headings, mm -hmm. I had the page numbers copied properly, and there were no typos. So, yeah, I think it's really, really well developed now, as it stands. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, my experience is also very good. Um, besides that, unfortunately, Croatian is not supported by voiceover. Uh, but from the languages that I scanned, it, um, it worked very well. Uh, and also what is very handy is that now uh, supports Siri shortcuts. So you can assign a Siri shortcut and uh, go directly to a specific channel that you would like to channel of seeing AI. Yeah, That's so cool. now you can yeah. set up your magic words for every single channel. Yes. Yeah, what's in there, what's in my hand and so on. Yeah, that's really handy. And then there is a similar application, Seeing Assistant Home, developed by Transition Tech SA. Is that the name? Uh, yeah, Transition Technologies. Technologies and, uh, SA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a Polish uh, brand. So what are the news? Yeah, they introduced a couple of new things recently. They keep developing it rather strong, I would say. <laughs> there are new betas appearing all the time, and uh, it, it's really promising. Uh, for one, I think both versions, definitely the Android one, um, has a mode now, because normally the app has different features. It has a color detection thing, it has a light detection, it has a magnifying glass, and it also has a barcode reader. It can read QR, it can read barcodes on the products. Um, you can even print your own barcodes to put on boxes or CDs or anything you need to label your stuff. And what it would usually do is if you scan a code and it finds a match or it finds something uh, because you can also program your own labels for the codes that you printed yourself, it would usually display a window uh, showing you the results. So if you wanted to scan a lot of things at once or just look through your CDs or boxes that you previously labeled, you would have to exit this window every time and aim again at the CD and uh, have it scanned and read it again and go back. Now they introduced an automatic reading mode where whenever it comes across a known barcode, it will automatically read what's assigned to it in your database. So this mm -hmm. is quite handy for quickly recognizing. And the thing that is already official on iOS is that they also introduced text recognition. And they made their own engine for this, which works offline. And it's pretty accurate from what I heard. I will soon hopefully be able to test it out as well. Mm -hmm. But I already heard a lot of feedback from people who tried it. And the particular thing about this is that it consists of three modes. There is uh, the, the regular mode, the, the full text mode. Uh, there is a, a smaller surface mode and there is micro mode. And the goal here is that the lens uh, of the recognition, the spectrum, is smaller and smaller depending on the mode that you turn on. So if you would like to read a box of uh, what is on the box of a certain product, or food or drink, um, mm -hmm. the, the first mode will be the best. And then the smaller the thing is, the, the smaller you go with your settings. So if you would like to read something out of an LCD display, the micro is probably the best. And I already saw it being a problem even with seeing AI that I have, for example, a radio which shows the frequency I'm on at the moment. But whenever I'm trying to read it and I'm pointing at the display, it also sees all the buttons around. So it starts reading oh, yeah, the logo. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the issue with the Envision as well. Mm -hmm. if, you try to, if you try to read something then it will read all the things which it's, mm -hmm. it's catching on the on the display, so yeah. Yes, exactly, so therefore um, these modes are a really nice addition and apparently it also copes well with hand handwriting and with quite colorful uh, background for the writing, so like CD covers and so on and really unusual fonts. 
So I'm really looking forward to try it out, but uh, if you would like to do it right now, you can download Seeing Assistant Home from the App Store and, uh, and give it a go, basically. So um, good luck, and hopefully this will help. And I'm really looking forward to what they come up with in the future. Yeah, the only thing what I'm wondering is who is still using the CDs for the CD covers, but anyway. <laughs> well, if you, if you value your collection and you, you bought it yourself, I guess um, there are people who do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah vinyl, I, I'm not vinyl, saying so. that there are no people who do, but I know that personally I haven't, I no, don't no, have the PC with the, with the CD player for, yes, or, here, actually. Actually. <laughs> for a long time, man. No, but I have them uh, plenty at home, but I didn't, I didn't listen, none of them for centuries, so... Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. But, well, if anyone okay. needs that, there it is. Yeah, it was an example. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Okay, then the next topic that I would like to talk is the WebAIM screen reader survey, number eight. Unfortunately, the number of uh, responses is uh, lower compared to the previous years, uh, but still, um, I think it's an interesting survey uh, to, to consider uh, when taking into account screen reader uh, users and and um, browsers and combinations with uh, browsers and, oper and operating systems and screen readers. So what is interesting this year is that MVDA uh, is the most used screen reader according to the survey. Of course, yeah. um, we cannot assume that these are all screen reader users because um, we have this year 1,224, I think, mm -hmm. responses, valid responses. Um, and also this year, there were uh, much more responses from other um, regions. Um, yeah, Europe, Europe is uh, much, more, much more popular this year than uh, <laughs> it used to be. Yes, because uh, half of the responses are from North America, but the rest is from other regions like yeah. Europe, Asia and others. But uh, before, this was much less. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year, MVDA is very close to JAWS in percentages. Uh, so it says 40.6% of users use MVDA as their main uh, screen reader and JAWS 40.1 as their main screen reader. Yeah, and there was, there was another... 12. Uh, point yeah. nine, which is quite interesting, I would say. Yes. Yeah, there was another uh, part of the survey where they where the question was like, uh, how many times do you use your primary screen reader, and which one would it be? Mm -hmm. And that one that one uh, was even more interesting because NVDA was on like seventy percent uh, or seventy one point something, mm -hmm. and JAWS was like ten percent lower, mm -hmm. and. and well, that shows up something. That shows up that, to me, that shows up that NVDA as a product has matured a lot. And that's the fact that we can see also in the, like, in the summary uh, of the survey. Because they said that like, since the survey is uh, running since 2009, the NVDA started with like usage of the 3% and it jumped to the like 40% in total or... The 70% uh, when you would have to use your screen reader of choice, what would that be? Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that that was really interesting. Um, there is also significant significant rise of the narrator usage as well. Mm -hmm. So we can see that uh, people are trusting Microsoft and uh, the changes they are doing in the narrator, which is uh, basically tied to the Windows 10 releases. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's also a good thing. Uh, however... Uh 
yeah, we 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 can see that uh, Jaws is having a downfall in terms of uh, users who are using it. But and I think, I think it is <coughs> yeah. important that we have a choice uh, that we do not rely only on one screen reader, but we have a choice, and uh, then depends what yeah. we prefer. And also that we have a free option like MVDA, sure, which yeah. uh, it is not possible for anyone to buy an expensive screen reader. Mm -hmm. What is I interesting for me, sorry, did you want to add something? Yeah, just quickly. Okay. Uh, I think it's uh, the second survey since Window Eyes is no more developed. And it's interesting also to see that probably the percentage rise comes from the fact that people who used Window Eyes before had to migrate somewhere. Absolutely. And it's interesting yeah. what choices they made, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Some probably went for JAWS, but I guess a lot also went for NVDA. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. This is also interesting. Yes. Well, actually, I mean, there is a uh, lots of uh, what we can what we can see from the data that was uh, posted in this survey is that there are many many more new users of NVDA in the states. So, uh, I mean, why I'm saying this is because. NVDA is covering more than 40 languages now for about 50 uh, in total, but uh, the overall number of users in the States increased a lot for NVDA, which is, which is nice. That's, that's really good to see. Yeah. What is interesting to me is also the usage of browsers. And according to this survey, 44% of users prefer to use Google Chrome as their main browser. Mm -hmm. uh, Firefox fall on 27% only, according to the survey. And uh, before, also for me, uh, Firefox was the main browser, but now I'm using it more rarely. Maybe I'm using it for some websites where Firefox uh, is uh, displaying them uh, more correctly. Yeah. But what was interesting to me is that still 11% of users prefer to use Internet Explorer and 1% Microsoft Edge. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know a one guy who is still using Internet Explorer, but... <laughs> but I guess... Yeah, I know a person as well. It's a matter of if you had something for years, you just keep it. Yes. And as long as it works and it doesn't tell you I'm not working anymore, they'll be fine with it. It yeah, opens sites. It... Yeah, but the fact is that you know, uh, there are more and more websites which are not compatible anymore with the IE, so mm -hmm. you're forced to mm -hmm. use, you're forced yeah. to use something else. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, but this is probably because people are used to use Internet Explorer. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure that, for example, in the next survey, uh, the number of people who will use Microsoft Edge will increase because the it's new sure. release of Edge, yeah, because the new release of Edge will be Chrome, Chromium based. So uh, basically, uh, it will be more or less the same experience if you would use the Edge or Chrome. So yes. yeah, and at a certain point, you have to abandon Internet Explorer. Just public beta twenty twenty was uh, published in September, and there are some interesting functionalities that were improved and updated. Uh, like the OCR engine will support uh, more languages and also the JAWS cursor will be now scan cursor which means that it will work uh, in a different way uh, but for users we should have much more information yeah um, I still didn't try the beta and I will not personally taste 
the beta um yeah just because i like to have stable releases on my machine so i will mm. wait until the the official release comes out mm-hmm. i think that this is okay that they're improving this stuff but overall i have to say that i'm not really too much convinced with the 2020 release because i see it more as a bug fix than the introduction of many new features and but, uh, uh, what is sure that um, they will certainly introduce some updates in the first release, which is coming at the end of October, mm-hmm. but also during the later releases, like in December and and after, they will surely introduce new improvements and new updates. Yeah, I guess we can probably expect. they will. But as I said, I see I see it more as. Yeah. Like more bug fi- bug fixes in the new version than like yeah a bunch of new new features. Hmm. But okay, I mean, what I also noticed is that I think they're realizing also that uh, Jaws will become more of this professional screen reader for like workplace uh, application with some advanced customization options and so on. Mm-hmm. Because already in the change log we can see enhancements based on the feedback of our users. And uh, in some change logs in the past already, we could see that on the request of one of our users, we fixed uh, um, a bug that appeared in a certain context in a certain app. So they see that uh, they will be better off tailoring more towards individuals, users' needs who actually have needs related to their workplace, to their study, to some unusual use cases. Uh, because that will be their strength, probably their market strength. They will be like having this tailored experience for the unusual use cases. So hmm. there is that. And also I see they pay attention to the details. So while NVDA is focusing on complying with standards and following standards so that everything, like assuming that we're in this ideal world where everything is accessible, here there are some bugs that are noticed even with the standards. So for example, I'm looking at this double speaking of, uh, of forms. Uh, so I guess the ideal thing to do would be to somehow instruct the web developers to tell them, please use different things for the, like the hint at the form and the label at the form are two different things. And what we'll just do, just will uh, compare these two and basically silence the one that is uh, obsolete. So we'll do sort of the work uh, of the developer for the user, which uh, makes it like faster and easier to use the web. On the other hand, there are the standards which uh, yeah should be also included and uh, employed by the web developers. So we have these two, I see, schools of uh, what should be followed and what's the most important yeah. thing. Yes, yeah. I fully agree. And with this feature, they will just... Um fix something that was not done correctly according to the standards. So speaking of JAWS, uh, we all know that uh, one of the famous voices which we all of us used uh, is the eloquence voice. And the eloquence voice uh, got, let's say, uh, ported to the other platforms. And one of them was the Android platform. we had the eloquence for Android for about last five to six years. But eventually it has come to an end from what we could find out from the one of the emails from the code factory basically uh, the problem which appeared was that uh, the code factory which was doing the work for the eloquence for android was not able to purchase the rights for updating the eloquence to the 64 bit versions so basically they are they're abandoning 
the app, the further development of the app, basically. Um, which means that, the, from what I understood, is that the current users will still be able to use it, and but there are not going to be new releases for the eloquence. And basically, Code Factory is saying that the eloquence for Windows, which is uh, uh, possible to purchase as the NVDA add-on, will still work. So it will be still possible to purchase it and to buy it. The only thing is that the version for the Android is slowly going away. Which is, uh, yeah, it's kind of sad. I have to say that for a long time, uh, on my Android device, Eloquence was uh, the fastest and the most responsive TTS that I used. However, for the last few months, I switched over to the vocalizer voices, and I have to say that I'm pretty happy with those for the moment so yes and speaking of the TTS updates uh, I don't know Pavel if you noticed it but there was uh, just a few days ago two or three days ago there was a update for the Google TTS oh yes and uh, what I found out is that they finally work worked out on the response time so now I am able to use my phone quite happily with the Google TTS uh, if I want and the phone will not have a very slow response time. It will be almost as responsible as the vocalizer's voices. I'm, and yeah, this is really cool to, to see that it works now. I'll have to try it out. Actually, I'm wondering how they achieved this because from what I understood, the lack of response that we would wish for came from the fact it was trying to process on the spot everything that it read so it would read it correctly based on some definitions in the cloud and what other users type in and so on. So it's tried to do this AI sort of analysis of every single string you threw at it. Uh -huh. uh, and therefore, for example, Polish voices always tried to speak really proper English and it came out really funny sometimes. Uh, but I'm wondering what they did this time to reduce this, but I have to try it out. Uh, one thing that I uh, noticed with some friends for sure is there was a critical bug in the, the update before, whereas if you turned on your phone and you were for some reason out of internet access, uh, so you had no Wi-Fi and your uh, SIM card was locked with a pin, uh, you would receive silence simply because for some reason this update couldn't access the partition of data on your smartphone, so it oh. wouldn't access the data you've just downloaded. And it tried to stream from the cloud as a backup and it would work if you had Wi-Fi or if your SIM was pin free but if you were out of Wi-Fi and on pin you would have silence until you unlocked your phone and now they fixed it so it's good that they did yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that also they've they uh, rearranged some voices so basically what what we can see for example in the uh, English voices is they started introducing some of the voices basically taken from the Google Assistant and they're oh, now, yes, we have it they're now <laughs> integrating them into the Google TTS which is uh, cool. They're like kind of sampled down a little bit so it, the, the sample rate is not the same as uh, you would listen to the, the Google Assistant but it still, it still sounds uh, very usable uh, to me. It's not, it's not crackling so that, that's good. Yeah, so it means probably that you can also, I would have to check it just to be curious, uh, you can use the John Legend voice that they introduced at some point. Not yet. With, in, not yet? In the, okay. No, no, not, not yet. I mean, you cannot use it uh, as the TTS voice where mm -hmm. the screen reader would, would speak everything on your phone. But 
what you can do right now, and that's a new feature, is that you can use the Google Assistant voices for the Google Maps navigation, which was not possible before. Oh, that's great. Um, the one update I'm also happy about from Google, related to speech recognition, actually, is that finally in Polish we can dictate, uh, I spoke about it, I think, two months ago or so, that we couldn't dictate the punctuation, uh, and yeah. now we can. So we are all really happy here, and it even is clever enough that it uh, recognizes from your intonation, uh, from your way of expression, if you actually mean this punctuation mark or you actually want to have the word insert. So uh, depending on how you structure your speech in the sentence, it will detect this and it will place what you need. And it works most of the time. So I'm really happy and it's definitely a great improvement. Hopefully the languages that don't have it yet will, will support it in the near future. Okay, that's cool. The next um, topic I would like to talk is the Web Accessibility Directive. The Web Accessibility Directive applies starting from uh, the 23rd of uh, September this year, which means that public sector need to comply with accessibility standards, so, so they need to have um, accessible websites and electronic documents um, compliant with accessibility standards. The EDF, European Disability Forum, published a survey collecting data from users, whether the websites are accessible in their countries or not. So we fully support this um, survey and I think it's great to, to submit uh, comments to the survey. Yeah. And uh, personally, I didn't notice much differences before the 23rd and after the 23rd of September. So I think it's great to take this opportunity and to comment uh, all the issues that you might have with um, websites of public sector and um, to raise this issue. As it is quite important, we should not be ignored. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is there a deadline for that survey or it's uh, like ongoing for a certain amount of time? I don't know. Okay. Because I didn't find anything, so it's probably... I didn't see, I didn't yeah. see the deadline, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I so don't probably now it's, it's something, something that will stay for a while. I guess. <clears throat> okay. Okay. That's cool. So if you, wanna, if you want to go and uh, report what's the usability of the and accessibility of your websites in your countries, we will have it, the link for that in the show notes. So go and, and uh, submit the data for the yeah. survey. So a recent innovation is also quite interesting, uh, developed in Vienna by an IT team interested in accessibility. They came up with uh, a Bluetooth-enabled Braille keyboard that you can attach at the back of your smartphone uh, so you don't have to carry a second device. But the interesting thing here is that you will have to print it out yourself. Uh, there are plans how to do it on their wiki. And there is also the, all the software and source code that you can compile and flesh onto a microcontroller. So you can purchase all the parts uh, at your convenience at the price that you're satisfied with. If you have the knowledge or know somebody who does, you can put it together, flush the software and attach the keyboard and you can uh, type on it without really carrying a second device or if you don't, uh, if you are not satisfied with the braille screen input of your operating system, uh, you can use this. Uh, what you will need is a 3D printer to print out the keys and uh, a CNC plate that you probably need to mount all these things together and the microcontroller. I guess something like Arduino will do for this purpose. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be Bluetooth enabled or it has to have the PSP32 connector and because you can also plug it in via USB-C, USB, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the thing is called Oscar, Oscar Concertina, uh, is the model that is currently published. And uh, everyone is encouraged to try their powers at producing their own Oscar Concertina. So uh, if you manage to do that, let us know if, uh, if it works and how it works. Uh, I'm personally trying to inquire where I could uh, obtain the help needed uh, to get it going. But if I have anything, I will definitely uh, update you all in following episodes whenever it will be possible. But I think the concept is interesting in that um, it's you who decides on the price. It's you who decides on certain aspects, probably how it is going to look like or if it's going to be somehow decorated or not or what parts you will use. Mm. And the, the thing is there for you to mount yourself uh, if you have the knowledge. The problem is the knowledge. Maybe you don't know anybody who is capable of putting this together or you can't do it yourself. Um, but yes, It's definitely not the project to do it like do yourself at home. So Yes, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, but uh, it's an interesting concept which I think could change a bit uh, the market of assistive technology which was usually considered to be rather expensive and there were many questions by people uh, whether the cost of the product actually justifies the, the, the quality and so on, if uh, the cost of production perhaps are just a quarter or a percentage or a small mm-hmm. part of the cost that you pay as an end customer. Mm, so now you can definitely experience this. Maybe at some point we will see, I don't know, uh, do-it-yourself do braille displays that you have to assemble from 3D models. It would be interesting as well. But well, at any rate, Oscar is there. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, as a concept, it sounds really interesting. I mean, now the girls can print out their pink keyboards if they want, uh, for instance. But uh, yeah, uh, I think that it's a good idea, especially because I know that there is a bunch of people uh, who cannot get used to the typing on the touchscreen. Whatever you try to tell them and give them the instructions, the, per, the people are not getting how to type. And eventually, I mean, it's true. If you're typing on the physical keyboard, you are much faster. So, yeah, the only the only thing is that, well, you have to find somebody who has uh, enough skills to assemble mm-hmm. this, kind of, uh, this kind of things. But, yeah, I, I, I would say that in, in total... The most difficult thing is to get this uh, appropriate CNC board, which is basically taking the shape of your phone, which you have, and to find somebody who owns a 3D printer to print out uh, all the buttons and and such. But yeah, um, overall, the concept uh, sounds quite interesting, yes. So Google Maps is also working to make our lives easier. Some time ago on the ice-free mailing list, we could see a proposal to join their research program. If you were living somewhere in the States, you could actually come and meet them and take part in the research, answer some surveys, and it was about improving Google Maps. And, well, I think it's about time because uh, if uh, the companies are making their things accessible, uh, like their operating system and products, then they could also invest in making our lives more independent, having already the tools, but uh, with just some slight improvements. And this time it's the maps. And what we will see in the future, because for now it's available only in the US and Japan, is an ice-free walking mode for the Google Maps, which um, 
generates more frequent voice updates for the voice guidance, alerts you to the crossings that you have to take, and if they are especially big ones, like three or four lane crossings, it will notify you about this, it will tell you to, cr to cross with caution, and also you will be notified, I think the frequency is 10 seconds per one message, it will tell you every 10 seconds that uh, in this and that amount of meters, heading this and that direction, uh, you will face a, cr a turn that you have to take. Uh, mm. It will also tell you if you're going right or wrong. So if you get off the road, it will tell you that you're going to be redirected. If you're going right, it will also tell you. So I think for especially beginners with navigation, but not only, uh, it's reassuring to be told every now and again that you're still right, you're still right, carry on. So we will have this uh, rolling out hopefully to the next countries in the near future. Yeah, actually, this news came out like two days ago uh, because there was a World Sight Day and uh, they launched it first to be this feature to be able uh, to... They launched this feature first for US and Japan and they are saying... I was just watching Twitter recently and it seems that this feature is something that many people wanted to have for a long time, which is great. And there are multiple questions from all the users like, when is this coming to the rest of the world? So it, it is coming, we don't know when. Um, there will be a link for that in our show notes. And eventually I checked out my Google Maps to see whether I have the option to turn the uh, this voice guidance on or off. But it's still not here in my application, so I cannot in my in my version of Google Maps, I cannot do anything to enable that feature, but I'm sure that it will arrive in the future updates. But yeah, this is something I, I personally, as a user uh, of various uh, applications for navigations on the phone, that was something that was missing on the Google Maps when you would uh, use them in the walking mode. So. Definitely, if you would use them for walking, Google was not saying enough information, like the maps were not presenting enough information, like how to, uh, wh where where do you need to go and which street comes and what crossings do you have and et cetera, et cetera. So that's good. Uh, what I, however, noticed is that Google Maps right now is giving much more instructions if you are using it in the transit mode. So, for, for example, when you're using the public transport, such as buses or trains, uh, now this voice guidance is uh, speaking much more information than it uh, used to speak before. And that's, that's really nice. So, for example, you can use it like with uh, in, in conjunction with the other apps. So, so you can like pair the Google Maps and the Movit app in the same time. And uh, it works quite nice. Or you can use the Google Maps with the Lazarillo GPS as well for the public transport. And it will work quite nicely. So that's, that's good. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the only thing I was wondering um, is whether... For example, the feature will be somehow configurable because some people prefer different frequencies of the messages or different details in them. It yeah. seems like it will be one switch only, so you either have it or you don't have it. And well, maybe, what maybe wasn't also explained? Be, yeah, maybe this will be. I think that you know, as more and more users will start to use it, they will start to submit feedback to Google. Yeah, and for sure. I think that this might change in the future, so they would just add the feature where you would be able to change the frequency of the refresh refreshing mm -hmm. time for the speaking announcements. But yeah. 
Yeah, this and also, also, yeah. What wasn't explained in the film is uh, in in the video that they attached uh, whether there is a way for a blind user to tell because that was always the one of the problems for me. Um, whether the blind user is able to tell where to turn first, so you are told, okay, start heading south, and like I don't have a compass in my head, I usually use an external app for this. Can Google also make the compass accessible somehow, or have they already taken care of this? I guess we'll find out when it arrives. Yeah, um, I know that for for these kind of things, the Lazarillo is really yes. good for that because it's telling you automatically where in which direction you are walking. So that's yeah. If, if you're that. using if you're using pairs with the Google Maps, that that works. Mm-hmm. Since we are speaking of about the applications for GPS navigations, there was a recent announcement from the APH, who is uh, developing the Nearby Explorer app. That basically all the features which were uh, done in the n- full version of the Nearby Explorer application are going to be free. From now on, and they will arrive in the nearby Explorer online application. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is because they stopped the updates for the US and Canada for the full version of the nearby Explorer, which is which was for the US and Canada, because uh, they used the maps from the Navtech before, and they're not using the maps from them anymore. They switched to the OpenStreetMaps which are free. So basically, right now, the application should be working uh, in the near in the future as the complete version of the Nearby Explorer. That's, that's what we have to see. I just uh, checked the app today, and you can see a bunch of features. There, uh, there will be a link for the manual of the application in our show notes, how to use it. Um, and there are tons of nice features. Uh, which we can use, but one of the things which is still not available in the free version is the option to use the application for navigation. So right now you can like check out, you can use the application when you are walking around, it will tell you what places do you have. Uh, you can uh, you can put some of the places that you want directly on the open street map, which is a good feature. And uh, it's going to tell you all different kind of uh, information. You can even virtually explore and like go to the place to see where do you need to go and which streets do you have around and stuff like that. But what we still don't have is the direct navigational mode. And I think this is something what's coming in the, in the future. Uh, for that, I don't know, Pavel. Have you have you tested the app? A long time ago, I must say, but uh, back then it was actually just as you said, announcing the places nearby and showing who you was there, yeah. and that was it. So I think uh, not much has changed since then, and we'll have to wait for the full rollout of the new features. Mm-hmm. There was the update yesterday, but uh, yeah, there that were just some few bug fixes, and uh, yeah, right now. We have to wait for the new version mm-hmm. to to be released. But overall, yeah, it's a it's a good thing. That yeah, and it will be good to have another option to use for navigation. Sure. Sometimes yeah. you're wondering which one is better in which occasion situations and which maps covers better a certain area and so on. So it will be good to have another option with yeah. different functionalities. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, I was really surprised to see this uh, information because from what I heard from the different users is that basically open street maps are much more covered in Europe than in the States. Um, so I was surprised to see that you know they they switched uh, they, they they switch it to that even for the states, but maybe right now somebody is working on lots of mapping for for the states. So you might see some improvements as well. Yeah, we will see for the Europe. Well, I, I already saw, for example, today when I was uh, when I was checking it out here that uh, it could see lots of places around even more than the google maps can see so that that was good that was a good sign maybe it's just this part of luxembourg that's mapped correctly mm -hmm. uh but i was able to see really really many things which i even didn't know that they're they're around in like mm. few hundred meters so that yeah that's a good it, sign yeah exactly so it really depends also on the area where where you might live and which is covered better in sure. a specific area. Okay, and the last topic for today is Braille Uno. I know that we have somebody here who knows how to play Uno. Um, yes, and that would be me. Uh, actually, <laughs> Uno is quite a popular game. Uh, I think it originated in the States, but uh, recently blind people have a lot of opportunity to play it, uh, both on the RS Games platform and the Quentin C Playroom. Uh, but also, uh, there have been in the past, I think, many ways to purchase a Braille set of UNO cards. I have one here at home, and there was a time when um, an association in Poland would sell that stuff. But uh, there were also recently some attempts, and one is with the Mattel Games Company and the NFB. Uh, they offer a new set of cards that you can purchase online, along with the reference cards and... Uh, well, this you don't have to purchase, but you can install it on your Alexa, on your Echo speaker or Google Home, the skill uh, to instruct you how to play. So you can play against the computer with all the explanations that you need how to actually play the, car the game. Yeah. Uh, the manual that is attached, uh, strangely enough, is just in black print, so there is no accessible version from what I read on the Mattel mm -hmm. Games website. But... Uh, Basically, the rules are this. Um, each player has seven cards. The card has both a number and a color. So, for example, there is yellow, red, um, I think blue and green. And these are numbers from one to nine. And what you have to do is you have to get rid of all of the cards you have in your hand by putting them away when it's your turn. But you can only put away a card that is either... Uh, the number or the color of the last card that was put by the player before you. So if somebody okay, puts a yeah. yellow three, yeah, you can only put a yellow card or a free card. And there are some special cards to that, like a wild card that uh, allows you to change the color to any color you want, or you can give your opponent some more cards in their hand, so you make their life harder that way. And there are all the different rules which you can read about, but basically the goal is to win the game by throwing all the cards away, and when you're left with no cards, you are the winner of the round. So um, this is the, the aim of Uno. Mm -hmm. And of course, if the, the Uno, so it's from Spanish, one, because if you have one card in your hand only, you have to say Uno. If you forget and don't do it, then another player can catch you, and you will have to draw two cards as a punishment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so It's quite fun, I must say, if you have a circle of friends and you would like to play something 
that is quite easy but uh, quite competitive, it's definitely a nice recommendation. Yeah, and I have to say I tried before to activate uh, this skill on my Google Home and uh, it explained the basic um, instructions how to play Uno, even though I don't have the cards. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to check how it works on Google Home. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems to be working. This was our last topic. And uh, before ending this show, uh, I would like to announce that Pavel will do the demo for the advanced Braille keyboard on Android. So stay with us. And uh, if you want to contact us, um, if you want to give us uh, feedback or comment, you can contact us via Twitter or email. And uh, talk to you next time in November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See you. Take care. See you. Goodbye. Demo time. Demo time for a demonstration. Hello, I will try to demonstrate the advanced Braille keyboard, the newest Braille screen input method released for Android a couple of months ago. It is special in that it has some features that no keyboards before have had, and also it is being developed at the moment, which means that we can expect any bug fixes, feature requests to be filled in, and other improvements that will not come in keyboards that exist but are not currently being maintained. So what is Advanced Braille Keyboard exactly and how does it differ? It's an app on the Play Store like any other. It costs around two and a half euros and you can get it off the Play Store right now, which means you don't need to look for APK files anywhere on the internet. What are the special features? Well, apart from typing on a screen, as you usually could, the keyboard offers also a great variety of languages, both with Leap Lewis and without, using the built-in Braille engine of the app. And it has also features like abbreviations editor, which means that you can enter any abbreviation, such as BTW for by the way, and the keyboard will expand it automatically when you perform a gesture. It lets you customize the layout of the dots in many different ways. Uh, you can even manually assign each dot to each spot. It has one-handed mode and many others. So I will try to show you quite shortly how the most important features of the app work. And yeah, we will see how this performs in action. And it's quite nice, I must say. So let's go. Device unlocked. 7.54 p.m. Advanced Braille keyboard. Switch to Braille keyboard button. So this is the main interface of the app. As you open it, you will see all these options. The first one is activating the keyboard. Enable Braille keyboard button. That's the one where you authorize the keyboard to be available as your input method. Switch to Braille keyboard button. This one lets you switch from your existing keyboard to advanced Braille keyboard. That's the button we were focused on at the beginning. Set up Bluetooth keyboard button. This one is for setting up Bluetooth keyboard because one of the features as well is the ability to use a regular Bluetooth keyboard for Braille input, which I will explain when we go to the settings. Settings button. These are the settings that we'll go into in the first place. User guide button. This is the user guide. You can read it either here or at advanced-braille-keyboard.blogspot.com. Uh, there you can read about all the features and have a detailed overview of the gestures, dotting patterns of the keyboard. Advanced options button. 
Here are some advanced options such as Map Viewer, which lets you preview what your currently selected braille table assigned for each dotting pattern, so you can have a guidance when you're not sure. Type to test settings, edit box. This is the test box that is used for testing how the keyboard works. We will use this one for practice. And that's it. So my suggestion is that we'll go to the settings first because, well, when we install it for the first time, I think the wise idea is to set everything up before we go. Settings, set up Bluetooth key, settings button. Settings, languages. So the first option is languages and here we can configure all the options related to the languages we need available on the keyboard. Languages. Select Braille Engine, enlist four items. First is to select the Braille Engine. Until recently there was only one engine, the built-in engine of Advanced Braille Keyboard. As of recently we have LibLuis as well, but since it's an early beta there are still errors in the tables and I'm for now using also the built-in in order to show you some of the features that still are only available in the old engine. Braille Engine. We can choose it here. Alert cancel. Libluis. Checked ABK built in. So you can see that I have the default one checked. Libluis. And this is the Libluis, the the one that you probably know and that has the most tables. Cancel button. Language. Set built-in engine languages. Set default engine languages. Set Libluis engine languages. And set Libluis engine languages. So whatever engine you use, you pick the right option for you. I'll pick the default engine ones. Set built-in engine languages. Set built-in engine languages. Default language. Here we choose the language that will be automatically loaded when we start the keyboard. For me it's Polish, I guess, because that's my native language, so I use it the most. Alert cancel. Serbian. Russian. Romanian. Portuguese. Brazil. Portuguese. Check Polish. Yeah, it's checked. So it means that, uh, well, Polish is selected. Take the required languages given below. And here we can tick the languages that we need on the spot. So if you use multiple languages, you can choose the ones you need here. Arabic, not checked checkbox. Bengali, Bangladesh, not checked checkbox. Yeah, as you can see, there are all the languages here. Uh, we can just check the ones that we need. I have a couple set here. Languages. Set, set Libuese engine languages. Settings. Languages. Braille. These are the settings of some of the Braille functionalities. Braille. Simple mode. Simplified Braille for kids and beginners by avoiding contractions and abbreviations. Check checkbox. Enlist seven items. So this is a special mode for beginners where contractions and abbreviations don't work. I have it checked for some reason. I will uncheck it. Not checked. One hand mode. Type using one hand by separating Braille combination to first and second half. First one, two, three turns to four, five, six. Not checked. Checkbox. This is the one-handed mode that I told you about. I will try to demo it, although from what I've seen it's quite unstable for the moment. Basically the principle is that at the bottom of your screen, close to your touch buttons, so home, back and recent apps, there are the dots one, two, three, and a field to skip. The way it works is that first the dots one, two, three are active. Once you press them they turn to four, five, six. So, for instance, if you want to type the letter X, you would use 1, 3 for the first part, the 1, 2, 3 part, and then 4, 6, so once again 1, 3 in the same places for the 4, 5, 6 part. So, that's how it works, and if you want to type something that just requires 
the left, so 1 to 3, or just the right, so 4, 5, 6, you skip either at the beginning or at the end. So um, if you want to type the letter K, you do 1, 3, skip, and skip is the empty area next to 1, 2, 3, on the right or on the left. And if you would like to do the combination 4, 5, 6, for example, you first skip and then you press 4, 5, 6. So that's basically how it works. I will demo it in detail in a second. Conventional Braille mode. Follow same rules of Braille instead of Unicode-based check checkbox. Percent to be honest, I am not sure how this feature works exactly, but you just heard what it does. So if you uh, are more expert than me at this, then you probably know what this actually does. Space to expand abbreviation. Check checkbox. Yeah. So in this mode, if we type in an abbreviation WhatsApp, or something that is considered to be an abbreviation, we will just uh, put a space and well, there we go. Uh, we will basically have a an abbreviation insert. Auto insert space after abbreviation, check checkbox. This means that if we enter abbreviation, it's the other way around. The space will be inserted automatically. So if we assume that the abbreviation is uh, a word or a set of words, we can make it automatically insert a space because, well, after a word we put a space, so that's how it works. Capitalize first character of sentence, check checkbox. And this is the capitalization of the first sentence, of the first word in sentence. Capitalize first character of line, not checked checkbox. Same for line, and that's it here. Settings, Braille screen input. Now this is related to how you put your hands on the screen for typing Braille, so let's take a look inside. Braille screen input. General, in list 23, I Braille screen type change the way of arranging buttons representing dots. Yeah, that's the one that you will probably like to set up as first. Uh, this is how you will put your hands on the screen, um, where the dots will be located, and so on. Alert cancel. Two hand screen. Laptop three, two, one, four, five, six. This is your tabletop or tablet mode, uh, where you put your phone in front of your face or in front of you on the table. You hold your hands side by side and you calibrate to have uh, it across your screen from the bottom, as in the charging port and your navigational buttons, to the top, as in the earpiece, in the order of 3, 2, 1, 4, 5, 6, and you just keep your hands side by side as if it were a laptop and you just type on it. That's more for stationary use. Two hand screen outward. This is what I usually use, and this is for mobile usage. Um, this is the one which I think on iOS Braille screen input is called face away mode. Uh, this is the one where you actually hold your phone on the two sides. Um, you squeeze it between your small finger and your thumb, and the left palm of your hand, so the left left hand, covers the charging USB-C port and the loudspeaker of your phone and the right palm of your hand covers the headphones port. So that's where you actually hold it. And then the remaining fingers are spread across the screen from left to right. The left hand has the dots three under your ring finger, two under your middle finger, and one under your index finger. Uh, so beginning from the left side of your phone screen, to the right, and analogically, uh, in your right hand, index finger goes for four dot, dot five is under middle, and dot six is under ring. So this is the one I usually use, and I will be 
probably using it as I present to you. Automatic. Automatic can do both. So you calibrate for both layouts and depending on the layout of your phone, if it's horizontal or vertical, you will have all the layout you need loaded for you. Text manual. And manual, which I use, this is the one where you decide by recalibrating where your dots should be. I will demonstrate how to calibrate this. For all the remaining layouts, you just drag six fingers on the screen towards you. So for your left hand, it would be left and for the right hand, it would be right. And the dots will be assigned in manual. It looks a bit differently. I will show you in a sec how it goes. Back button, out of lip. Rail screen input. Command, transfer, command hold delay, change milliseconds to become combination to command. This is for special commands that you perform by holding down the patterns that you use for letters. So for example, for the letter C, if you hold down the dots one and four, you will actually delete a word. And here you define what is the delay in milliseconds before a touch will be recognized as a hold command and it will be executed and not entered as a letter. Transparency, change braille screen transparency to view written text. This is the transparency of your text. So uh, if you make it less transparent, then the sighted people who look at your screen will see less of what you've written or will see it less clearly. And if you put more, more will be visible. Play letter typing sound, check checkbox. This is for all the whistles and bells that you hear from the keyboard. We will hear some more, I guess. Invert gesture direction, check checkbox. This is useful when you realize that after calibrating your keyboard, the gestures don't work in the direction you suppose they would. So for example, if you're used to the space being swiping a finger to the right uh, and you realize it's left, uh, you can use this checkbox to revert it, to make it work the other way around. This is useful when you're turning your phone sideways and you don't like the gestures um, and the direction they go. Speech. Speech text checkbox. This decides whether you need a speech synthesizer feedback when you're typing or any feedback from the synthesizer. This is useful because we have to turn off TalkBack, of course, when we type. Text to speech engine. Here we can choose the DTS that we want. Echo by character, check checkbox. This decides if we need an echo of what we type of all the letters or not. Speak password, check checkbox. This is for speaking passwords. Always announce welcome message, not check checkbox. And this is for all the welcome to the advanced braille keyboard uh, messages that you get when you open. Following are the options to change dots representing special commands. And here we can configure these commands. I told you these are the commands that I told you about. So the ones for holding down. And here we have capital, capital, abbreviation, send, map switcher, space, punctuation, enter, language switcher, letter deletion, word deletion. So as you saw, these are the options that we can assign to the hold down commands. There is the punctuation mode, which is quite interesting because in advanced braille keyboard, although some basic punctuation is included in your braille table, in order to take advantage of all the punctuation characters you have, you have to switch on the punctuation mode, at least in the conventional uh, ABK engine. For LibLewis, this is different. LibLewis uh, uses its own tables, so there the punctuation is already integrated into the tables, however, in the default ones, it works a bit like your key on the Gboard or any other QWERTY 
software keyboard that you might be using where you have to switch into a different mode to get your numbers and punctuation. Actually numbers are also present in this mode. So let me go back. Back button. Settings. Braille screen input in list six items. And there we can decide of course in the command section which dot held down will be performing which command. So if you don't like the default settings you can always change it. Physical keyboard. This is for the physical keyboard for the Bluetooth. So let's go in. Physical keyboard. Following are the options to change physical keys representing dots or special commands. Keyboard configuration. Change layout of keys representing dots. This is uh, where we can set which keys of the keyboard will be used for which letters. We can use F, D, S, J, K, L. So F1, D, 2, S, 3, J, 4, K, 5, L, 6. Then we have S, D, F, J, K, L, I think. And there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So for everyone there is an option. Let's go inside. Alert cancel. S1, D2, F3, J4, K5, L6. R1, E2, W3, U4, I5, O6. And there is also Q, W, E, U, I, O. 1, 1, 2, 2, 3, 3, 4, 4, 5, 5, 6, 6. Cancel button out of R1, S1. Checked F1, D2, S3, J4, K5, L6. Yeah, so as I said, there is also the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 and different combinations with F, D, S, J, K, L. So we can use these keys on a Bluetooth keyboard to uh, emulate Braille dots. Physical keyboard. Following are the options to dot 1, dot 2, dot 3. And here we can change which letters on the keyboard do what exactly in this mode. Alert S. F, cancel button. So even if you don't like the even if you don't like the settings uh, that you have proposed there, you can customize all the dots to be under different keys. So let's see what more can we do. Dot four, dot five, dot six, dot seven, dot eight. Abbreviation key, capital key, language switching key, letter deletion key, map switching key, one hand skip key, punctuation key. Yeah. So as you can hear, there is quite plenty of settings. Back button settings. Advanced settings. Physical keyboard. Advanced settings. And here are some advanced settings and we will hear that. Advanced settings. Change following options very carefully in list three items. Yeah, exactly. So these are only to be used if something really doesn't work well. And these are. Braille screen input gesture sensitivity. Changer discrimination between typing and swiping. An increase will prioritize swipe over typing. Yeah, so if for some reason your typing is not recognized or instead of typing you get some swipes or something else is not working in this area. You can control this here. Rail screen input gesture drag length. Change minimum swipe length for recognizing gestures. Yeah, and if your swiping is somehow not too sensitive and it's not recognized, you can also set the swiping length uh, here. Maybe useful for some people using some unusual phones. Uh, you decide. Settings. Advanced setting. Restore to default settings. And here you can reset everything to defaults. Back button. Advanced Braille keyboard. Enable Braille keyboard button. So perhaps let's take a look if we can write on this keyboard. Uh, just to remind you, I have set my keyboard to use the ABK built-in engine, manual calibration method. I'm not using one hand for the moment. And also... Mm, it is English language. So let's see if we manage to get it going. Type to test settings, edit box. Next, keyboard shown. Please suspend screen reader polish loaded. End yeah. of field. Yeah, so the keyboard is ready. I will suspend talkback. 
Talk back off. And now I will hold my phone in this position that I like. So both my hands are squeezing it by the by both ends at the top and at the bottom. And my palms are covering on one side the USB-C, on the other side the 3.5 millimeter jack port. Now what I would like to do is calibrate the keyboard, of course, so that the dots are laid out exactly where I need them to be. And in order to do that in the manual mode, I will put four fingers on the screen and hold them down for a second or two. Now what is important here is that you first place your phone the way you want it and only then put the fingers, not the other way around, because then the positions get already prefixed and you, will, you might not be able to place the dots where you would like them to be. So let me try. Assignment started. Touch one by one as you wish. Press dot one. So I will now press in the place where I need the dot one to be. Touch dot two. Touch dot three. Touch dot four. Touch dot five. Touch dot six. Dots assigned. Drag four fingers to reassign. Exactly. So I have finished my assignment and now it is the way I would like it to be. And now let's try to type something. T. H. I. And now I wrote this. If I want to do space, the command is to swipe right on dot four. So you probably know this gesture from advanced braille keyboard. Sorry, I mean soft braille keyboard. This. If you used it. I. S. Is. A. A. T. E. S. T. Dot. Exactly. So I've managed to do that. Now I would like to delete, of course. So I do the same as in soft braille keyboard. Four, dot number four to the left. Dot deleted. T deleted. S deleted. E deleted. T deleted. What I could also do is hold down the letter B like backspace. So dots one and two, I hold them down for a bit. Spacey deleted. Yeah. So I deleted the character, and if I would like to delete an entire word like A, I think this is what I have under my cursor right now. I will hold down the letter C. So dots one and four. A deleted. And there are many more commands like this. Uh, on one hand, you have this hold down commands that I've just shown. On the other hand, you have the dot swipes. For instance, if we swipe dot one to the right, I think I will be switching languages. Spanish loaded, Russian loaded, German loaded, French loaded, numerical loaded, English loaded. As you could hear, I found something called numerical. Uh, in Advanced Braille Keyboard, the old engine, the built-in one, the numbers are also a separate language in a way, because you can use the full Nemeth mathematical notation if you have a need for that. But if you would like to use numbers and punctuation, because as, as you could hear, I could use the dot, I can probably use a comma, comma. I can probably use a semi, semicolon. and uh, a colon. colon. But if I would like to do a quotation mark, comma, semicolon, colon. this will not work as you can hear. It's trying to insert some space or, or do something different. What I need to do is drag the dot five to my left, so away from me. Punctuation on. I'm in a punctuation mode right now, and the next character I type will be from the punctuation or digits. So if I do the quotation, Quote. yeah, you have it here. And then I do need to do again punctuation again. Punctuation on. To type the next thing, let's say I want number seven. Seven. So I'll just do one, two, four, five, and that's it. If I need to do it more, I can quickly move 
or rather uh, twice mm, to the left with the dot five. Punctuation on. Punctuation lock on. And this is punctuation lock, so a form of caps lock. Uh, and now everything I type until I release the lock will be in the digits and punctuation table. Of course, if I slide the dot five left again, I will release the lock. Punctuation lock off. Perfect. And well, there is also dot six if you hold it down and type something. I think we are doing the capital A. There are many more commands uh, that are described in the manual. For instance, you have commands to navigate with the cursor through the text, select it, copy, paste, cut, delete. You can switch between edit fields even and do much more. So check out the advanced braille keyboard manual under the address given and you will find all the gestures and letter combinations here. Now, what I would like to also show you is the one hand mode, which is, well, interesting, I would say, although it is a bit slow from what I figured and it's not always accurate. So I think it still needs some improvement. So in order to activate it, I'll go to the settings again. Talk back on. Enable, switch, setup, settings button. Setting, blank, braille, braille screen input. And braille. braille. One hand mode type checked. I'll go back now. Back button. Braille back button. Advan Home button. This is seven. Edit box type to test settings. Next. Keyboard shown. Please suspend screen reader polish loaded. Okay. Talk back off. Now what you should do is drag your fingers down, four fingers, all except the thumb, and the keyboard will be calibrated. Now for me it already is, so I'll start typing straight away. The problem here is the thing is very unstable. It took me many, many tries to get it configured so it actually works. And well, don't get discouraged with your first attempt. Uh, keep on trying. Actually, for me, it finally jumped in when I randomly put three fingers on the screen, then it made a beep and then it started working. So um, I think it's quite unstable yet and it needs a bit of improvement, but the principle itself is good. Um, as you will see. So what I have now is an area at the bottom of the screen. It's closed by the touch buttons, by home, back and recent apps, which consists of three dots, one, two, three. Uh, the one being at my ring finger, uh, the two being at my middle and the one, three being at my index. And then to the right and left, there is the boundary of the keyboard, which acts as a skip button and as the area for some simple gestures. So what I will try and do is type a simple word like clock uh, just to show you how it works. So in order to type the word clock we first need the letter C which consists of dots 1 and 4. So what I will do now I will type uh, 1 then the row will switch over to function temporarily as uh, 4, 5 and 6 so I will again tap where the 1 was before because now the 4 will replace it so we'll do it like this C. yeah then we need the L so for L we need 1, 2, 3 because we don't need anything of 4, 5, 6 we'll just do 1, 2, 3 and then we'll touch the area to the right to signal to the keyboard that we have actually entered a character. L. Alright, now we need the letter O. So for this we will do first 1 and 3 
and then we'll touch the dot 2, which will, for the time being, become the dot 5. 1, 3, 5. And then again, 1 twice, because 1 and 4. And then K we can do by just tapping 1 and 3 and skipping. U. Oh. Yeah, there we go. As you see, it doesn't work all of the time. It's rather unstable, but you can do what you need. You could hear that I was doing spaces and deletions. You do it by... So space, you drag your finger up on the area outside the keyboard, the one that vibrates. Clock. Space. Yeah. And if you want to delete the last character, you go down. Clock. Spacey deleted. Spacey deleted. K deleted. C deleted. O deleted. L delete. C deleted. So I deleted the entire word clock right now. All the gestures work here as expected. So if I want to change the language, I just swipe on the dot free. Spanish loaded. Exactly. And theoretically also, if you hold down a dot, make a skip and hold another dot, you can simulate the swiping gestures involving many dots. And the whole commands should work here as well. So basically, if you follow the manual, you'll realize that all the gestures can be simulated also in this mode. So now, let me show you the abbreviations uh, as the last feature that I will cover in this demo. It is also quite handy, so for that I will switch back to the conventional typing braille, um, the one that I usually use. Okay, I've done that. And now let's go to the advanced settings. Switch to Braille. Set up Bluetooth. Settings. User guide button. Advanced options button. So this is basically the advanced options thing, not the one in the settings, but the one in the main interface. Advanced Braille keyboard. Map viewer. Join ABK's forum button. Map viewer button. Here is the map viewer, so you can uh, take a look at the dots in each table, what they do. Join ABK's forum button. This is the mailing list of Advanced Braille Keyboard, which I also recommend you to join should you have any feedback, questions or remarks. Map abbreviation editor button. And here is the abbreviation editor. So let me enter in. Abbreviation editor. List. The list is empty for now, so there is nothing in here. Add button. But I can press the add button. Add abbreviation. Edit box. Edit box. Edit box. Ed okay, but cancel. Edit box. For some reason, the edit boxes are not labeled. The first one is for the abbreviated form, so I will type in here BTW. Next. To Keyboard shown. Please suspend screen reader polish loaded. To follow up on my example from before. Talk back off. B T W. Perfect. Um, talk back on. Talk back on. Edit box. And I will type in here, by the way, so that the thing will get expanded every time I type it and perform the gesture. Keyboard shown. Please suspend screen reader. Add abbreviation. Talk back off. B Y Y T A E D W A Y. All right. That's saved. Talk back on. Okay, button. By the way, edit box. By the way, edit box. Uh, it reads already, by the way, BTW is by the way in Google TTS, so you can't notice the difference, but it's there, believe me. Okay, button. Abbreviation editor. Not checked by the way equals 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 by the way, checkbox. Okay. Add button. Yeah, if I checked this, it's not checked because I didn't check it for deletion, but if I checked it... Not checked by... Checked. Add button. Remove button. I could have removed it, but... Import button. Yeah, you can also import and export, so you can exchange this list with your friends. But now let's go back. 
Advanced Braille Keyboard. Abbreviation Editor. Button. Join ABK's Forum. Button. Advanced Braille Keyboard. Edit box type. Next. Keyboard shown. Please suspend screen reader. Okay. Field. Some of what I've entered here still remains, so. Talk back off. We'll see. Yeah, okay. Let's try to <laughs> enter the abbreviation now. B T W. And now I will hold down the dot one, which is the abbreviation expander. By the way. And there we are. Actually, I've just uh, typed in a whole abbreviation. So for expressions that you use the most, this is the thing to do. Okay, thank you for listening to the demo and I hope you found this app useful. Again, you can find it in the Play Store under the name Advanced Braille Keyboard. The cost is two and a half euros. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been EBU Access Cast. Access Cast.